How do you do? You gentlemen, of course, know how to push a product. That essentially is your job. My presence here is for much the same purpose, simply to push a product. To acquaint you with an entertainment product which we hope and which we rather expect will make your product pushing that much easier. What you're about to see, gentlemen, is a series called The Twilight Zone. You are about to enter another dimension, a dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. A journey into a wondrous land of imagination. Next stop, the Twilight Zone. Back in February 2014, when I was first contacted by Tom to take over the Twilight Zone podcast, I had been a fan of the show since its early beginnings, and like everyone else, I was very sad to hear that Tom was going to be letting go of the reins. But at the same time, I was very honoured and flattered that he'd picked me to take over. With us coming to the end of the first season, I felt that it was only right to bring back the creator of the Twilight Zone podcast. Our own Rod Serling, Tom Elliott, to discuss the first season of Rod Serling's Twilight Zone. And so it gives me great pleasure to welcome back to the Twilight Zone podcast, Tom Elliott. How are you, sir? Luke, I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me back. I like what you've done with the place. <laughs> thank you very <laughs> much. Um, you left me with a good place to work from, so uh, I don't think I, I tinkered with it too much. Oh, good, good. It's, <laughs> it's been good. It's been good being on the other side, you know, listening to your, your episodes. So uh, well done. I've really enjoyed it. And you, you left me with some belters as well, uh, The Chaser and Mr. Beavis. Uh, well, you know, I got out <laughs> while the getting was good. <laughs> I think, yeah, you did send me a message actually when Beavis came out. I released it, and you were like, oh, I'd "Rather you than me." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That age-old question: Can the <laughs> Twilight Zone do comedy? Isn't it? And I think uh, when you get to season two, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to Mr. Dingle the Strong. It's. Um... <laughs> Um, and speaking of, I mean, would you know, just some general thoughts really on season one as a whole. Uh, in particular, the the episodes that you didn't get to to dive into, um, so nice. the chaser, the after hours, uh, Mr. Beaver. So, what are your general thoughts on uh, on season one? Well, it's uh, it's funny. I you know, I was looking down the list of episodes earlier on, and, and I think there's a good case to be made for season one could be the best season. Mm. Um, and I'm not saying that's definitely the case, but I think there's definitely a case for it because there's some real heavy hitters in there. I think you know, time enough at last. Um, oh, what else? I don't know. I've forgotten that. <laughs> 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 um, you know, monsters are due on Maple Street. Stop um, at Bellaby. 
Yeah, stop at Willoughby. Exactly. So some of these, it really kind of hit the ground running with these iconic episodes that have just really lasted um, and stood the test of time. So, you know, season one for me will always be essential. You know, you can argue about the later seasons and whether they are. There's always there's always the good and the bad. But, you know, season one... Um, like I say, some heavy hitters in there and pretty consistent as well. Yeah, it's funny looking back on it, and I've been listening back on your podcast as well. Um, there there weren't that many clangers in the first mm. series, really. I mean, thinking that um, maybe Nightmare as a Child um, wasn't a particularly great episode. And um, mm-hmm. actually, I think well, you and I have uh, not so much butted heads because that, that makes it sound like we're, you know, we're fighting about them. But um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I know you weren't overly keen on, uh, on the fever or. Um, yeah. Oh, God. What's the other one where uh, the the fellow um, uh, the devil sells him like immunity uh, or like uh, immortality? Um, oh, it's uh... God, everyone will be escape... shouting at us. Escape clause. Escape clause was it? I was gonna say all the listeners would be shouting at us for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm... I can't remember what I said about it to be honest. I mean, those two episodes. I mean, I I, I quite like them actually. I mean, I really like escape clause. I think it's a, it's a nice idea, and I, I quite like the twist at the end. Um, but there's something about the fever. I mean, even I mean, you weren't overly keen on it when you did the ep- when you did your podcast on it, and uh, the Twilight Pone um, weren't particularly keen on it either. Uh, but I actually thought it was quite a, quite a decent little episode. I, I liked uh, liked the you know the, the nasty of uh, the nastiness of Franklin, uh, and I liked the. I mean, you and I are both fans of, of practical effects, and I loved the mm. you know the the dropping of the coins to sound like Franklin, um, you know, and it, it, the story behind it of how they did it. Yeah, and I, I think that's kind of sort of a testament to, you know, just how good it can be, really, um, and how good practical effects are. It's it's funny that um, there's a chap called Stephen who uh, he's left a couple of uh, messages on the website recently about yeah. your episodes, and he he did way back in the past as well, and he um, left some feedback about the fever that made me reevaluate it slightly because you know he's he's a smart guy and he always puts something on there mm. that makes me think. Um, and I didn't necessarily change my opinion on it. Uh, I still don't really care for it, but Escape Clause, if I remember rightly, I think it was more of a, okay, yeah, you know, it's mm. all right. You know, in the scheme of things, it's it's okay. It doesn't knock me out, but and especially considering it, it's quite lighthearted. It, it's yeah. quite funny at times. It is actually quite funny. Um which is something that the likes of Mr. Bemis n- never did. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Escape Clause is all right with me. So um, the episodes that you did miss, um, uh, thoughts on those, uh, like The Chaser? Um, the Chaser, never really been a fan, to be honest. I prefer the, the original short story. Uh, Danny Davis did a reading of it back, mm. way back in the, in the thing. But, yeah, Chaser, not really for me. No. Um, what, what do we have after that? Um, Passage for Trumpet. Passage for Trumpet. It was an episode. Um, Stephen left a really, really good comment on that actually, which I, I read out on the uh, the episode for um, uh, the Mighty Casey. Mm. Um, and so yeah, no, it's, I I really like Passage for Trumpet, but I think it's mostly just because Jack Klugman's so good. I I yeah I agree. I I really like Passage for Trumpet. Again, you know my. Uh, We've been discussing this before the podcast, but my way of podcasting has always kind of been a bit of a 
a moody kind of midnight radio vibe mm. to it. And Passage for Trumpet has a very kind of, uh, you know, the jazz kind of thing going on. It's very, uh, maybe not no, not so much noirish, maybe a little. Um, but I just like that kind of atmosphere that it has. And like you say, Jack Klugman, Klugman is uh, always watchable. So I'm a fan of Passage for Trumpet. I like it. Uh, so what do we have after that? It was um, uh, Mr. the Beavis. Mr. Beavis, <laughs> <laughs> the infamous Mr. Beavis? Yeah, yeah. It, it was always going to be the kind of <laughs> you know, you know, you can see good and bad in pretty much every episode up to this one, can't you? And then it's just like, oh, really, God? You know, I, I'll be honest with you, mate. I haven't rewatched it. I listened to your podcast on it, but I haven't rewatched it. I just, you know, there always seems to be something better to do. It's funny. I was um, I was listening back on the podcast, uh, which I tend to do. Like I'll I'll finish recording and then I'll play it back. And I, I usually play it back with my girlfriend listening, um, so she can give me some feedback on it as well. And she just looked at me at one point and she goes, "This character's so annoying." And it was like I took like, two clips in, and she was like, "I couldn't watch a whole episode of him." I was like, "Well, imagine if you had to watch an entire series uh, of it if he'd got like, if it had been uh, you know its own series run." Um, oh, I know. Yeah. I know. My God. Having said that, though, I mean, as I said in the podcast, there are so, so there are shows that you know are, you know, much maligned by everyone, but they do have their fan base, mm. um, and I wouldn't be surprised if there was, you know, you know, very small conventions for a uh, a Mr. Beavis, um, you know, reunion or or whatever had the show been picked up, uh, you know, by CBS, <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't have, it really wouldn't have surprised me. Um, yeah. But do you think that it would have worked with? Um, I'm just trying to think of the, the champ's name now. Because oh, all, all, all I can think of, just mattered. Thank you very much. All I can think of is Orson Bean. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, do you think it could have worked if uh, if Burgess Meredith had taken the role? I, I think he Burgess Meredith always had a particular charm about him, didn't he? Mm. Uh, so he, he he was always watchable, but I don't I don't think so, man. The the rot was too <laughs> deep on this. <laughs> No, I don't think yeah, so. No. It's just there's, there's something about Serling writing comedy that I just don't know. This I don't think he he really didn't have a knack for it. I mean, you always heard stories about how he was such a funny guy in real life and he was so much fun to be around, but mm. I just don't think he really had a knack for writing comedy. And I mean, there's a particular clangor in the fourth season, uh, The Bard, which is <sighs> you know really really awful in terms of comedy, and it's kind of relying on uh in in the, the sound cues to, to try and uh, realize that you're meant to be laughing yeah, um yeah. and it's it's although saying that i i, I did watch or rewatch cavender is coming um sort of in my in my lead up to doing mr beavis and mm. i i will say i do think it's a better episode it's not you know it's, it's still not great but i actually think it's it's better than mr beavis is i you know I, i've been thinking about this and I mean, comedy at that time was a very different animal to what it is now. And shows like I Dream of Jeannie, mm. um, even I Love Lucy, and I don't want to offend anyone. I know it's considered <laughs> to be a classic, but it's, uh, you know, I, it doesn't really do anything for me. Mm. And, and I do wonder whether at the time people you know comedy was just so different and and i wonder at the time whether people saw 
an episode like Mr. Beavis and were kind of like, oh yeah, this is, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a, whether it was acceptable at that time and it just hasn't aged well, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'd imagine when Rod Serling wrote Mr. Beavis, he wasn't expecting that 60 years down the line there'd be two guys uh, from Liverpool talking about a, on a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. He was forward thinking, but not that forward thinking. <laughs> uh, so, which brings us to one of the, uh, the, the true highlights of the first season, uh, as mm. many will say, which is the after hours. I agree. I agree. I, I do like the after hours a lot. I. Um... I, I think if if I'd uh, still been on when I covered that episode, I'd have probably told. It's not a great story, but it it just kind of illustrates um, the kind of the vibe that I get from the after hours. When I was younger, I worked in retail, and it was a it was a store that was on two floors, and there was about three other floors above it that weren't used, and they were sealed up. And uh, I had reason to go in there. I think I was just storing some stuff. And when I went up there, it was like they were from the 80s, but they were perfectly preserved. There was, you know, all of the the, the mannequins there. Um, You'd walk into the offices as if someone had just walked out of them and not came back, you know? Yeah. Um, And there was even... (laughs) inappropriate things like topless women on calendars on the wall because it was a different time kind yeah. of thing. Um, but you know a, a department store is a place where people go and you see people and when you you see it in that light that kind of very uh very empty and the way it was beautifully shot i thought mm. it, it really does carry a certain kind of vibe about it which I, I really liked so yeah i agree after hours is great i think um, i did make the comment on the podcast that i think there is an argument to be made that douglas hayes was probably the finest director uh on the twilight zone. you know particularly the first season i mean yeah. but you look at his track record and he just had some fantastic episodes and they all looked really really great i mean it, it, as you know as you well know i the beholder is one of my favorite episodes um, yeah. you know, which is another Douglas Hayes uh, one. So yeah, I think there is probably a, a case to be made that, that he was one of the, the best people to, to work on the show. Definitely, and, definitely. And I think, yeah, I, I love the After Hours. I just think it's a really, really great episode. Um, and I think you can overlook its flaws and its plot holes. I was talking to, to Fred from the Twilight Pone about it. Um, mm. And it, you know, he said for him, the plot holes were just too glaring to, to really ignore but I mean, right. for for me, I mean, I think I can, you know, look past them, especially if you look past, you know, the the scene where uh, the the two middle middle management fellas just kind of, you know, recount the plot and <laughs> in that sort of are you being served mold? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, and it, it's interesting when you you compare Elegy uh, from mm. earlier on in the season. You know, again, we've got these motionless people, and it's a Douglas Hayes episode as well. And I wonder whether. I don't know because some of these were filmed out of sequence and and so on. I don't know whether he did actually film Elegy before the After Hours, but it's interesting if he, it would make sense because he does it so much better in the After Hours. Absolutely, yeah. No, I definitely mm-hmm. agree on that one. Um, just out of curiosity, actually, we've we've not spoken about this, but uh, and, uh, what do you think of the '80s version of the After Hours? Um, 
I think I've, I've watched it in the past couple of years, but I can't remember it that well. And, and I think you made the comment, it's sort of like a, a slasher movie kind of vibe to it. And that, that kind of struck a, a chord in me. I think uh, I would probably agree with that. Yeah, no, and I think actually you kind of hit the nail on the head. You've seen it, but it's it's completely forgettable. It's it's mm. not like or you know the original After Hours, which I think does stay with you. And it's um, you know, it's 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 one of the most remembered episodes from the series for a reason. Uh, yeah. But I, I think you there probably wouldn't be too many that would say that the '80s version of the After Hours was one of the particular highlights uh, of 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 uh, the new Twilight Zone, if uh, if that's the name they wanted to go with it. <laughs> um, yeah. Although. I Although as a series as a whole, uh, there wasn't many highlights uh, to be found in there. That's true. That's true. I guess uh, you, there'll come a day when you need to decide whether you're going to go onto that or not. I guess. I, I know. It's, it's funny enough. I was actually watching it uh, last night. Um, I was doing some updates to to my website, and I had it on in the background. And there's mm. a couple of episodes in there, and I think there are a couple of strong ideas. Um, but I don't know. I, I think if you. If uh, you know, when I was doing the the podcast, I I always thought if I carry on when I've finished and I go to the '80s show and you know the the thousand show and stuff, mm. I would probably turn it into a discussion podcast because there's there's not enough there's not as much info out there about really them. Not, no. And you know, it's a bit grim. Going to two <laughs> episodes of a show that's not that great every weekend doing this, you know what I mean? So absolutely, I, yeah. I would have probably changed the format, but you know, anyway, that's that's your decision. I was going to say, yeah, the, the, the ball's in my court on that one now. <laughs> Especially because some of the episodes, you know, were like ten minutes long each, and you know, yeah. fe- featured no narration at the start or the end, um, and didn't really feature much about it. So, <laughs> but I'll cross I'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, so we'll move on from uh, your thoughts on some of the episodes that we've missed, um, and just what are your what are your high points uh, of the series apart from the after hours? I'll um, I'll try and maybe steer clear of some of the obvious ones, you know, uh, because everyone talks about time enough at last, that sort of thing. I think for me, when the Twilight Zone kind of arrived as the Twilight Zone was probably Mr. Denton on Doomsday. Mm. Um, there's a lot of Rod Sailing poetic dialogue in there. He he, he sort of shows a, a sim. He's sympathetic towards a, you know a man who's an alcoholic, you know, mm. a man who's doing his dying early, um, and so on. You know, nice little twist. It I wouldn't say it's one of the best in the season, but I think it's where the season kind of the twilight zone arrives for me i mean do you have an episode like that yeah i mean mr denton, uh, mr. denton on doomsday is a good shout but i think for me like the first episode that i think is you know truly uh brilliant you know mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of sort of a flawless piece of work uh you know again ignoring things like time enough at last and uh, things like that is is the lonely um mm, which i think is, yeah. is a is a gorgeous gorgeous episode um, yeah. And I just think it, it's you know it's shot beautifully. It's a, a fantastic location. It's a really nice story. Uh, the score is brilliant, and it's yeah. I think that that is an episode for me. Is uh, it's it's certainly one of the high points uh, for me in terms of story selling. Yeah, I, I do love the lonely as well. I it's uh, it it's such an amazing location, and you know it's got an ending which it's not really a twist. It's just it ends on this note. Um, yeah. Which is cool, you know, because it's sort of a cliche to say that the Twilight Zone was all about twists. It wasn't, 
it was just a nicely constructed short story. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, any other high points you've got for the uh, the season uh, in terms of sort of favourite episodes? I'm looking down the list now, um, and again, I'm thinking, you know, wow, okay, that one's good, that one's good, that one's good. But, yeah. um, and when the sky was opened, uh, I like Judgment Night. Um, I think that's quite traditional in yeah. in a way. But and when the sky was opened, um, it's just the, and I probably said it way back when, you know, fifteen years ago when I was <laughs> doing that. Um, but um, it's just this: we don't see what is making this happen. It's all, it's all about the guys doing this this show sort of thing. And uh, what's the guy? Was it Rod Taylor? Yeah, I can't. Possibly Rod yeah, poss- Taylor. Possibly, yeah. I mean, I can't say for certain. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to say definitely yes, and then I have a load of emails come out to me. <laughs> you were wrong. Yeah, but you know, he just done such a great job of kind of uh, cracking up to something that wasn't there. We don't know what causes this, and it, like a lot of the best Twilight Zones, the the question of what causes it is is up is up for discussion. And there's no answers there, uh, but you don't feel cheated that there's really not an answer there. So, and when the sky was opened is a is a high point for me. Yeah, and I think um, sort of on, I think for, uh, for another high point for me, uh, mm. just again in terms of storytelling and character, is uh, the episode "What You Need," uh, yeah. which I think is just a really, really great episode. I think there's some really strong points about that. It's you know great performances. So, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's funny. I was just thinking then, you know, sort of bit of back and forth and it's it's always going to be you know more one-sided than the other it's always going to be more rod serling written episodes than anything else but i think if you look at the first season all of the best episodes were the ones that were written by rod Mm. but as you go down the line and you look at say episodes from uh you know season two three onwards you could argue that the better episodes are ones written by other writers particularly richard matheson yeah that's uh that's going to be a bit of a voyager discovery for me um because I kind of tried to always keep fresh on, uh, you know, and not watch too far ahead. So I would come to these episodes. So I'll, uh, I will keep that in mind as, as you go forward <laughs> and I watch along. So um, before we uh, take a quick uh, sort of look at season two or, you know, ones to look out for. Um, and we, we've kind of sort of touched upon this already, but are there any other low points <laughs> of the first season? I mean, I, I mean, what I, I, tr- I try not to be too negative about things. I, I, I always look for the good in, mm. in any episodes that, that, that we cover on the podcast. I mean, something you can't help with. You know, Mr. Beavis is one you just can't help, but you know, it's hard <laughs> to find positives within there. Um, but, you know, were there any kind of sort of really low points for you? I would, I, again, I, I try not to go with the obvious um but one that i don't think worked but interests me because of uh what came after i think is i shot an arrow into the air mm. um because the, there's a twist there which if the story's told the, the right way can be a good twist because obviously planets of the apes did the same twist yeah absolutely yeah uh but you know this episode didn't have the benefit of uh, this kind of uh this factor which doesn't exist in our world to kind of throw people off the scent you know uh talking apes and so on um so 
it's not an episode that I sit there and think, oh, this is awful, it's terrible, but yeah. it's just, it it asks you to believe too much and it's just impossible to to kind of go along with it, I think. Yeah, no, I, I would agree on that one. Uh, I think for me, again, you know, ignoring the, the obvious, um, I think if I was to pick sort of an episode that I... It's it's not that it was a bad episode. I just think that there wasn't really much to it, which was um, Nightmare as a Child. Um, Yeah. And I think like even sort of, you know, listening back on your podcast, I mean, not to to slam the work that you did on it, but there Mm. isn't a great deal to say about it. It's Mm -hmm. it's, it's just kind of an episode that was there. It's uh, (laughs) There really isn't much to to say about it at all, to be honest. And and I think that that's kind of why it's not one that I often, you know, I I wouldn't hold in much high regard or I wouldn't return to and, and watch again. Yeah, if, I, I, if I was going down the list of them on Netflix, I wouldn't say like, oh, do you know what? I'm going to watch Nightmare as a Child next. That's definitely you know next on the list to watch. Yeah, very bland, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Very bland. So, uh, so instead of uh, focusing on the, uh, the, the, the negative <laughs> side of things, um, we are fast approaching season two. Um, some thought we might never get here, but um, we... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I was doing the podcast, <laughs> we wouldn't have done. Yeah. So, I mean, are there any episodes sort of in season two that um that you, you know you're looking forward to to, to hearing us cover, or, or you know any ones that you would that you would hold in high regard? I remember getting the the Blu-rays for season two, and mm. uh, and uh, it's quite a comedy-heavy season, isn't it? Mm. Um, not like brimming with it, but it, it was kind of there's things like. Uh, there's, well, there's, you know, there's um, the man in the bottle and um, yeah, a thing about machines. Yeah, I, you know, I, or a most unusual camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, stuff like that. So, I, it there's a there's a few more clangers, I think, in season two than mm. there is in season one. But again, let's focus on the positive. Yeah. Um, good start with King Nine will not return. I I, I see it very much as a reworked whereas everybody mm-hmm. um so that that's decent i mean you've got things like the howler man which is good for that's a great episode yeah uh yeah. You know, eye of the beholder uh and nick of time actually and nick of time i think is i think it's a really really great episode um, completely I, agree I, I love it um it's funny i was listening to the twilight pain recently and um they just did nightmare at twenty thousand feet and um so the pair were having a bit of a discussion afterwards because uh I think it's John really doesn't like Nick of Time, and I was surprised because I always thought it was it was an episode that was held in quite high regard. I, I yeah, I, I've heard that episode as well that they did, and that Fred is more sold on it. He he kind of mm. holds it quite in high regard, and, yeah. And I do as well. I think it's a it's a great story. Um, I love that ending. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely a, a high point for me. Um, in that season i'm trying to look down the list though there's there's one that i've the i'm it's going to be interesting getting to just because there's no dialogue um mm. which is the invaders um so that'll be yeah. very interesting for, for a, <laughs> an, an audio-based podcast um it's funny i was thinking about this recently i was watching um i'm not sure why i picked to watch this one but i was watching the season five episode from agnes with love and i was right. looking at it and it's all visual jokes and you know, because the computer doesn't talk to him, it it says everything in you know in written word. And I yeah. thought I have no idea how I'm gonna cover this <laughs> in an audio form. <laughs> yeah. A couple of others. But, you know, uh, Penny for your thoughts is a good episode. 
Which one's that again? Uh, Penny for your thoughts. It's one with um, uh, Dick York. Um, nice. Where he gets the, uh, he starts to hear people's uh, thoughts. Right. Okay, I can't remember it that well. I'm, I'm looking down the list now, and there's two uh, next to each other that I'm quite looking forward to. Um, 100 Yards Over the Rim. I, I'm quite fond of that one. And also, oh, in fact, there's three there. Long Distance Call. If it's the one I'm thinking of, it's it's quite creepy. You know, the, the it, dead grandmother and the toy telephone. That is, that is the one, yeah, and that is, that is creepy. Um, yeah. And then I, I think maybe the last real highlight for me, uh, and I, I'll be interested to hear what, you know, your episode on it um, is the silence. You know, yeah. it, it's it's a Twilight Zone with no science fiction or um, occult kind of elements to it. It's just purely about people. But I, I think it's a really good episode. Yeah, no, that, I'm, I'm a big fan of that one. And that's a, an episode where it, the twist at the end is not one that you can see coming a mile off. Um, mm-hmm. I think you, you, by that point of the Twilight Zone, you're probably well-versed in, in knowing that there is going to be some form of twist coming. That's but right. it's, it's, I don't think it's one that's, that's you know, very clearly signposted. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, even the, the episode before, uh, the Rip Van Winkle caper, which is... Yeah, it's a bit goofy in terms of its conclusion, but I actually quite like it. I think it's quite a charming <laughs> little episode, um, and it also features um, you know an element that uh, Rod would later use again when doing um, Planet of the Apes, which is uh, you know someone's cryostasis uh, mm. being crushed and turning into nothing but a skeleton. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I remember now, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a sort of bit of a knock around, bit of fun that episode. Isn't yeah. It? And, and I think the last episode of the season, which one I am really looking forward to, is um, you know another great Burgess Meredith uh, episode, "The Obsolete Man." Um, so. Yes, yes, I, uh, I I'm quite fond of that one as well. It's um, very there's a lot of subtext there, isn't there, about mm. the you know society and so on. There's there's a lot to kind of dig into there. So I, I look forward to hearing what you got to say on that one. And you know, it was also the season as well where the you know the budget was cut dramatically. Um, you know, for certain episodes and filmed on VHS. So I think it's gonna, it's going to be a really interesting series to recap. Um, I think there's some, yeah, you know, I think there's some good episodes in there. But I think you you're right. There's, there's not, perhaps not as many classic episodes. Uh, yeah. But, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. <laughs> there's some of them I'm really looking forward to. You know, Eye of the Beholder, uh, especially because it's I, I, an episode I absolutely adore. Um, yeah. And it's it's interesting as well. I mean, I'll, I mean, I don't want to repeat myself because I'll be saying this on the podcast <laughs> when I come around to get into this episode. But mm. if you watch the um, the two thousand series version, they did a Eye of the Beholder, and you kind of realise just how great the original episode was because definitely that episode is not very good at all. <laughs> it's, um, it's... No, that that's it. You, you can you can watch it, but mm. it just just doesn't hit the the notes the same way, and it just doesn't have the same atmosphere. It's just like. Uh, a kind of cheap knockoff, really, isn't it? It is, yeah, and it's and it's remarkable to think as well. And I'm sure I'm not spoiling it uh, anything for anyone here, but you know the the reveal of the the pigmen, uh, you know, in in either hold is actually a really striking image. But if you mm. compare that to the 2000 version, it's actually pretty pants, really. It's uh, <laughs> the makeup's absolutely rubbish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so no, Ed, I'm really looking forward uh, to covering that series, and uh, it's been great 
having you back on the podcast, Tom. It's uh, I'm sure that um, the Twilight Zone podcast fan base is uh, very glad to hear your voice back on the show again. Um, so it's been great uh, having a bit of a catch up, looking back on the series. Well, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, you know, it, I uh, like I say, I I adore doing the podcast, and in an ideal world, I, I would have carried on, but um, but it's it's almost as uh, to to hear you kind of carry on. I I feel quite proud of that as well, you know. And it, it it's funny. There's there's going to be people down the line because you'll do many more than than I ever did maybe they'll join halfway through or they'll they'll listen to certain episodes as they watch them on TV or something and they will know you as the voice of the Twilight Zone podcast and then maybe they'll go back to the beginning and they'll be like who the hell's this guy you know <laughs> but but I'm okay with that you know I'm absolutely okay with that I think it's quite fun to be honest um but I I'm just really glad that it's in such good hands and it's you know it's really going from strength to strength and because it's coming out regularly it is getting that buzz about it and which is you know what we all want so mm. no thanks for thanks for carrying it on I, I appreciate it you know I don't think anyone else could have done as good a job as you have it's an absolute pleasure of mine and uh, I, look, I look forward to uh, I mean fingers crossed you know I can get through the, the whole thing myself <laughs> and uh, you know and who knows maybe I will look at the 80s series <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we'll go from there yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's been great having you on, Tom. Um, and, you know, if you ever want to send in any audio feedback uh, for any of the episodes, uh, feel free to do so. It'd be great to hear from you. Yeah, I will. I uh, I, I just thought, you know what, let's let Luke uh, settle in and get the first season out the way, and then maybe I'll send you some in on uh, a thing about machines. <laughs> you know, something like that. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, man. It's great to, see, uh, great to speak to you. No problem. Thanks, Luke.